we just need to be done with 2020. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a messed up year. <laughs> and uh, um, who knew? I remember, uh, I, I'm 45 years old, so growing up, a kid of the 80s and 90s, right, I grew up with, uh, with just kind of, I don't know, I think they're cool things, right? But uh, uh, some of the youngins in here would think they're weird things. But 2020, remember 2020 sounded so futuristic. I mean, we were supposed to be in flying cars at this, at this point, it, it was gonna be, it was gonna be fabulous, right? It was gonna be amazing. And 2020 is messed up. I'm just looking right into the camera, it's just messed up. And so we're in this roller coaster, and uh, it was in March. Pastor, Ms. Carolyn, whether you're watching it now or later, we, we trust you guys are having a good time. Don't feel any pressure to, uh, to make those videos, Pastor. You deserve a break. Um, he's been, you've been carrying a whole lot of uh, burdens through this time and all the decision making. And so be in prayer um, for our pastor and just some decisions that, that need to be made. Now, one decision that's, that we know is off the table, we're not closing our doors. He said that already. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be prudent and maybe a little bit more creative, right? Um, it doesn't mean that we don't make use of an outdoor space that we might have. And so um, and one thing I really appreciate about our pastor is he's, um, he, he welcomes um, our, each one of our opinions. Right? He, he does. He, he welcomes that. And so, uh, so be in prayer for, um, for pastor and just try to put yourselves in the shoes of a pastor that has to deal with those things. And I have a number of pastor friends. And so in, the, in one week, they're going to have people shouting in one ear, says, no, we should you know, never close down. So oh, you need to close down. Don't you care about people's health? And there's so many different opinions going through. And there are times, I'm sure pastors, you may have seen that uh, um, post on Facebook going through that a uh, uh, pastors going listening to all these voices and all of a sudden they're going to go, God, do you want me to be a car salesman, car salesman now, right? It's just, a, um, just so much pressure that there are on, on church leaders, which is one reason I'm not called to be a pastor. So those of you who text me or call me every time there's a church that opens, stop doing it. I'm not called to be a pastor. And, but I will help your church if, you're, if your church is in need. Um, so so do, be, uh, do be in prayer for pastor, and I, I believe he'll, he'll, uh, he'll update us. Um, YouTube's the best way to do that, so... Uh, just go ahead and search that on YouTube or, or, or text or message me or some other folks in the church and get you a link on that. You can watch Pastor's devotionals and he, he typically uh, um, updates us on what's, what's going on there. All right, so uh, um, don't go to, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And while we're doing so, if you have a blessing to share, let's, uh, let's be careful to, to, to share some, some blessings. And uh, one way to fight um, the year 2020 is to <laughs> do that. Um, anybody, a blessing at all? Felix. I got a uh, vacation this Friday. Yeah. Birthday, so that's a good thing. All right. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Vacation, that's a good thing. Yeah. I'll talk about that. Vacation. All right, yeah. That's, those are the best sometimes. Yeah. Amen. Anybody else? Let's have a blessing. I just think we're blessed to be here. Yes. Yeah, no, it is. It, it, it's a blessing to be here. If you hear stories, and they're not stories, they're so much more than stories, but there are people who are living in, in other countries that are closed. And um, uh, I've heard about a specific missionary um, uh, closed country in which every time they have service, they have to have a birthday cake there. And they, they celebrate somebody's birthday that month. Um, because if the authorities come, they're not supposed to have church. They're celebrating. They've got. They're celebrating a birthday, right? And you could think whatever you want of that. I think. Uh, I think. You know, uh, we talk about being creative and prudent, right? They're trying to keep the 
you know, the gospel going. There, there's, there's underground movements that are very, very important. And, and we don't have to worry about things like that. And, and no, even with whatever the governor says, um, well, we've got a, a kind of a big thing called the Constitution that's kind of on our side. And, and so I don't think we have anything to worry about. I don't think any of the edicts of his majesty um, uh, have any legal teeth, if you know what I mean. Um, uh, but but, I, but if, if you're more comfortable staying at home, uh, you will not be condemned um, by me or, or by Pastor. We, we, we've heard him so so gracious on that. Um, and uh, but we, we encourage you. We're, we're still we will have services. I said just pray for Pastor as uh, make some decisions as you know whatever outdoor spaces we might might use or, or, or whatnot. All right. So we pray for that. Another another blessing. Something you might want to share. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a blessing to an honor to be able to fill fill my pastor. All right, Matthew chapter 6. So I'll be bringing a message um, on, uh, I'll be speaking specifically on anxiety. And uh, the title of the message is Stay in the Moment. And uh, I think a couple months back when we first started all this quarantine business and, and uh pastor asked me to put out a, a devotion. I, I gave a devotion about this passage. Um, but we're going to go ahead and open this up a little bit more and, and talk about the issue of the subject of anxiety. And, um, and so don't tune me out that, that not everybody has an anxiety issue or disorder, whatever you want to call it. Um, but interrelated within that are, are basically, we'll, we'll break it up into three levels. Um, worry, and uh, I think if, if you're honest, we all worry, right? Worry, and then I think what we would just call, what would be termed general anxiety, a generalized anxiety disorder, what's a little bit bigger deal, and then more into the panic realm in which I've, I've been in all three. Um, I've, I've been a worrier. I've, I'm, I'm human. Yes, I, I, I've been in God's service as, as, a, as a preacher for, for 23 years. But I've looked at the bank account, and I'm not always super, uh, super Christian um, Hebrews 11 faith guy. All right? Can we be real? We can be real. I think most people, um, if they're honest, would say we've had moments like that. So I've been on that side of worry. Um, I've, I've had some anxiety. And unfortunately, I've been on the side of having the severe panic disorder and having the, uh, the panic attacks. And so, so I experienced all three. Now, I'm thankful that the panic attacks, that's a scary thing. Um, and a lot of you know my assessment. I won't rehash it for, for, for uh, sake of time. Uh, two years ago this month, um, I, I resigned from my ministry position in, in another church of 22 years because I was having panic attacks and I had a uh, battling severe depression. And I just thought I was broken beyond repair. I just didn't think I could do it anymore. I didn't think I'd be in front of people, all that. And so I uh, resigned July 29th. Wow, it's coming up. Um, 2018. But I haven't had a panic attack since. And uh, God has healed the depression. Right. And, uh, um, but um, I do have to be careful with some anxiety stuff. And, uh, and I don't want to talk about that. I want to be completely transparent about that. Just talk about some of the maintenance things I do and some of the ways I battle it. And, uh, and of course, I hope for complete healing, but at the same time, I might have a scar that I have to live with, and you know, that's okay. That's okay. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk, we'll get into a, little, a few more specifics on that. So it's entitled, Stay in the Moment, and it comes from this concept in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 34. Matthew six thirty-four says this, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And here's a statement, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That last sentence literally means you have, we have enough 
to concern ourselves with today, enough today to concern ourselves with. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I know it's a, it's a strong statement. There's a whole bunch of evil today that we can concern ourselves with. But literally what it's saying in the sense of, of the context there is that we have enough to consider today um, to, to keep us away from the cares of tomorrow. And so one of our biggest, most important weapons, of course, is the word of God, but, but using the word of God properly is so important to battling anxiety. And one of the things it says here is to, instead of taking thought for tomorrow, take care of the things that you can take care of today. Because tomorrow's gonna happen, and the things of tomorrow are gonna wake themselves up, and it's, it's, it's gonna happen no matter what you do. So take care of today. Now, now here's the thing. So we have to understand, I want to understand verse 34 in context of the passage. So when we understand scripture, it's really important that we understand it in context of the immediate passage, right? But also in context of the totality of scripture, right? Because you can take, if, if we can take this verse and turn it into weird stuff, right? So don't take any thought for tomorrow. So, so you're in your, you, you guys are living your lives right now and you just put everything in today and you don't worry about your retirement or anything. You don't put anything in. You know what? I, I, could, I could preach like that because I used to think like that, just like gung-ho, and it came from a good place. I mean, I was so, I just wanted to serve the Lord. I didn't care what a, um, about fine. I really did not. I wasn't looking for riches. I wasn't trying to set myself up for a comfortable retirement. I just wanted to serve God, and I took this verse. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go gung-ho. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. But that's not what it's talking about. You're not in sin if you um, set yourself up for retirement and you invest in retirement and do things wisely, right? That's not what it's talking about. So if we, we can take this one verse and preach weird stuff on it, and that's how weird beliefs come about. If somebody takes one verse and not compare it with what the rest of the Bible is saying. Right? So it's not, it's not condemning planning for the future. It's not. So now let's look at it in context of the whole verse, uh, of the whole passage. Look at verse number 25. We'll start with verse number 25. So here's the lead into verse number 34. So therefore, this is Jesus talking, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Yet are ye not much better than they. All right, so the setup for verse 34, these first two verses, verses 25 to 26, here's the, here's the thoughts that we need to have in mind to truly understand verse 34. So firstly, God's provision is designed with personal responsibility at its core. God's provision is designed with personal responsibility at its core. All right, so... We're, being, we're told here to behold the fowls of the air, all right? So there, this is scripture. This is Jesus Christ talking. So Jesus Christ is going to tell us to observe nature, right? So we can learn from nature. There's nothing wrong with that, all right? There, 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 we, we shouldn't freak out about what we can observe in nature. That's called science, all right? We're not talking about weird theories like, a, um, you know, the, the fossils that we find turn themselves into things that we've never seen, right? That's not even, that's not science, not even a good theory, right? But there's some things that we can observe. And so using common sense, right, and from what we observe in nature, when God says, hold on a minute, the bird, behold the birds of the fair, the, the, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither they, hey, the, the birds of the air, man, they don't, they don't plant seeds in the ground, they don't do anything, but God feeds them, right? And so don't take any thought for the morrow. So well, hold on a second. So if, you, if we truly watch the birds of the air, God provides for them. What does God do? Does God drop the worms into their nest? 
No. Does God bring seeds, you know, and whatever that they eat, vegetation or sticks, so they could build their nest? No, they go out. They have to get out of the nest. They have to leave their comfortable branch and go out and find the right sticks and stuff like that to create their nest and to feed their young and to feed them. They have to go out and do some work. So God's provision is designed with personal responsibility at its core. So don't take this verse and say, well, God's going to provide and sit at home and do nothing. Right? I mean, so th see, this is how we protect ourselves from weird beliefs as we look at the whole context. All right? So remember, we're, we're leading into verse number 34. What do, how do we get the full essence of verse 34? Here's the lead in. All right? Yes, God is going to provide. God's going to provide for me and you. We get pray, trust him, but go find a job. Do your best. Go apply, submit some resumes, look online, you know, you'll pay the poundment and knock on doors, whatever, do what you, we have to do, trust God, but you have to get some things done. There's some things that we are responsible for, all right? God's provision is designed with first responsibility at its core. Look at verse number 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his statures? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither, neither do they sin. So now, Jesus is saying, okay, so he said, behold the fowls of the air. Consider birds. What do we see? Okay, God feeds them. They have to do this. There's some things they have to do. Now God is saying, consider the lilies. Consider flowers. Okay, so we're still looking into nature. Verse number 29. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not, shall he not much more clothe you? You, O ye of little faith. So Jesus Christ says this. So you consider the lilies, the grass of the field. It's beautiful, right? Beautifully clothed. Now, if God isn't going to, if God is going to take care of the grass of the field and clothe them, isn't God going to clothe you? You're of much more value. You're much more value than the flowers of the field. So here, here's, the, here's the second setup. Verse 27 through 30 tells us this. Tells us this. We are of great value to God. All right, so we're setting up for verse 34. First thing, God's provision is set up with personal responsibility at his core. Yes, he's going to provide, but there's some things I gotta take care of. Secondly, we are of great value to God. If God is going to make the lilies of the field beautiful, then he loves me. He loves me infinitely more than he does any beautiful flower, all right? And then thirdly, third thought, verse number 30, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All right, so here's the third, the third uh, thought. We must prioritize eternal things. All right, prioritize eternal things. God's provision, it's all wrapped up in personal responsibility, number one. Number two, all right, we are of great value to God. God loves me. God loves you. God loves each one of you. We are important to him. And then we have the response, we must prioritize eternal things. So, when things come into our lives that confuse us, that confound us, that hurt us, right, that maybe send us spinning into um, depression or anxiety, that we have to have these things in mind first. Alright, God's going God's gonna to take care of me, but there's some things I need to take care of. There's personal responsibility. We can't say, okay, God, heal me, but not take care of the things that we need to take care of, right? I'm of value to God. We go into the trials and storms with that foundational thought, right? Because there's going to be times where, where things hurt so bad in here where we wonder, God, do you even care? But we have this in mind etched into our hearts. 
And so when our heart is breaking, this is what comes to mind. I'm of great value to God. If God loves and cares for the flowers of the field, how much more does he love me? Have that etched into our mind before we go into the storm. And then third, I must prioritize eternal things. There is an eternal reason for me to go through the pain and hurt that I'm going through right now. You know, I don't like it. I want it to end. But have this in my heart right now. So I'm going to prioritize eternal things. Of course, with my finances, but also with my life, with my emotions, with the deep pain that I'm going through. There's an eternal reason. There's a spiritual reason for it. And then we come to verse number 34. All right. So here's the thing. Um, I want to differentiate the things that we've talked about. And I appreciate those of you who pray for our ministry and, and you support our ministry financially. Uh, thank you so much. And we've had obviously pray for me this, this weekend. I'll be in, um, in Bakersfield to do a, um, a, a mental health Sunday in Bakersfield. And I've been out preaching the last few weeks. And so I do thank you so much for your support. And, of course, we talk about depression. So um, uh, do we have another slide there, I think, Joe? We, well, we want to make a difference between depression. So depression is typically anguish over the past, right? Some regret, some past pain. Uh, and, and for me, it was July 26, 2014, right? It was just a, a, tragic, just a, a tragic event in my life that happened that it was, I had trouble getting over. Not that I got over. You understand what I'm saying? But being able to manage, manage my sorrow and grief properly and, and, and my pain. So there was a past event for me. But so anxiety, um, anxiety is typically anguish about the future, all right? So depression, usually something in the past. I understand sometimes people get caught in a rut today and it impresses them what's going on. But usually there's some roots in the past that's causing some type of insecurity to where we're not content with where we are, all right? So typically, but anxiety is anguish about the future. And so here's the challenge to staying mentally or spiritually healthy is to stay in today. Right? Because we spend too much time in the past, we get depressed. We spend too much, we spend too much time in the future. All right? Remember this to be balanced. It's not saying don't plan for your retirement. I'm not saying that. Right? Okay, we can see God, God provides by our personal responsibility. But we spend too much time anguishing by the future, then we'll cause anxiety in our lives. So the challenge is to stay in today. Take care of the things that we can take care of today. Now, that can be easier said than done um, for, uh, for a lot of people. And another thing we need to differentiate is between worry and anxiety. Right, so worry, when we worry about things, we've all been there, right? Worry involves the thoughts about potential negative events, all right? We're thinking about something, and we're worried about it, right? We're just thinking about it. We're looking at the, our bank account, right, and the amount of money, and then we're looking about, uh, at the month, and there's more month than money, and we worry. It, those thoughts that come in, right? Now, anxiety is this. Anxiety is the physical response to potential negative events. There's a big difference, all right? Worry involves thoughts. We can, t we can control our thoughts, all right? And so we can battle. Sometimes it's hard, but we can. We can battle our thoughts. Now, anxiety is trickier because of the physical response, and that physical response isn't always conscious. All right? It could be, it, it, you, our, our bodies are designed to subconsciously respond to things that are not safe for us. All right? So let me explain this way. Um, our, our brains, it's amazing what God designed here, right? So our brains are always, there's a part of the brain, the thalamus, that's taking in information that, you know, not, you know, we see stuff there, but now as you think about, while you're looking forward at me, you're aware, actually, in your periphery, right? You've got your peripheral vision, and when you think about it, then Johnny says, oh yeah, there's, yeah, there's Isaiah over there. 
All right. Yeah, I got him. All right. He's a, he could try something on me. But if you know, if Isaiah, Isaiah rises up, it's in your peripheral vision, right? But even if you weren't thinking about it, Johnny, actually, your brain is already taking into account Johnny's there. He is a potential threat, right? Okay. I mean, let's say now you're thinking about it so you can see him, right? But even when you get focused on me again, focus, focus, all right? Like we're in Bible college, or I'm the professor. And uh, um, since the pastor's here, I got to give you a hard time. The professor's not here. Um, but even if you're not thinking about it, all of a sudden there's some type of quick um, movement that Isaiah makes. Actually, your brain has already got him considered, all right, because it's trying to keep you safe, and then you will react to it. Now, here's the thing. Depending, different people, and this is, um, they ever worked the bus route? Did you work the bus route? And uh, uh, did you get a chance to go, go uh, up there and work, work the bus ministry? So if you've been around bus ministry, in, especially, you'll, you'll be able to see so many different children. And, and this is a really sad thing that breaks my heart. Um, and we worked in bus ministry for a long time, and praise God. I mean, we've got bus kids that stuck in church and are serving God now that are, that are pastors and staff members. Marquise is one of them, right? And uh, another one up in the high desert, um, pastoring Marines. It's amazing. It's awesome. But some of these kids that I worked with, it's so sad to see. Um, I would, uh, you know, on the bus and you're singing and you're making, you know, big, big movements, right? There have been times where I would make a big movement and a child would flinch, right? There's something different, right? Some things have happened and they're etched into the memory centers of the brain. And it's a sad reality, all right? And we can't deny this, all right? And so now it could be you, you might have a man, in, a friend in his 40s. And there's some things that he reacts to more strongly, maybe not in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense, than you do. And it's easy for us to look and stand in judgment and say, what's wrong with you, you little weakling? What's, why is it started? Why are you freaking out about that? Why don't you just trust God, right? But maybe they have something a whole lot different in their childhood. Maybe they're some of the bus kids, and, and maybe you need to work a, bu a bus route and see this dynamic actually play out. Where a lot of children, hey, some things like this, don't freak them out. Don't do anything for them. But then there are going to be other children that react to this very strongly. It's really heartbreaking. But then they don't ever grow out of it. And in their 40s and 50s, and all of a sudden they have emotional stressors, men and women, that bring up this panic. Where it doesn't look like this, but it looks like this. <sighs> Promise you. And, and I, I was never that guy until July 26, 2014, when a young person died on my watch. And then all of a sudden, I started having these attacks. Didn't know what they were. I just thought I was, I was, uh, um, uh, uh, I was holding in emotion so often that um, I would explode and then have trouble breathing. And then I felt like I was, I felt like I was drowning. And then there was there was times that I thought that maybe God was judging me in that way because the young man drowned. And I felt like I could. It was it was terrible. So it was just this snowball of of bad, bad thoughts that were just, just attacking me from every single side, right? And so anxiety is that physical response that, that's not always a conscious decision, right? And, and so we see that play out just, just in life, right? Even if you are emotionally healthy and you didn't grow up in an abusive situation and you're not that bus kid that, that flinches at a, at a, at a quick, um, uh, you know, large uh, physical um, show, Right, but let's say you're just walking, uh, you're just walking outside of the church, and all of a sudden this 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 snarly dog comes out of nowhere, just right there, and starts snarling at you, right, without even thinking about it. You know what happens? Your your arms recoil, right, to protect you. Your blood pressure goes up. 
um, you know, your, your hair stands on end, your muscles tense up, ready to flee your fight, right? That all happens in an instant. The body, the brain is amazing. You don't think about it at all. The body is getting ready, it's always keeping, it's always keeping us safe. Now here's where we get into an anxiety disorder is when that panic response gets turned on inappropriately in just inappropriate um, situations or for too long of a time or for too big of a time, right? Then we're, we're getting into something just a little bit more challenging. I mean, for example, here in one end of it, um, uh, a PTSD and somebody who's been to war. You, you may have seen that. I, I've, I've seen this happen. The church I used to go to, a young man that uh, fought and I believe was Afghanistan, had, had come home, were playing volleyball out in the grass field. All of a sudden, I think it was a motorcycle that backfired, explosion. He hit the ground. All the rest of us, nothing, right? For us, that sound is just an everyday sound. For him, there's something different etched into the memory centers, the hippocampus of his mind, that all of a sudden, he wasn't thinking about it, but just boom, his body said, get down. It's a sound it does not like, all right? And I know for us, for most of us in here listening to this, that's an extreme, um, an extreme example, but we just bring it down to, hey, all of us have stuff in our past. And praise God, if you grew up in a spiritual gr a greenhouse with a, with a mom and dad that loved each other and stayed together and brought you to church and everything was happy, thank God for that, but not all of us did. Not all of, all of us. You know, this preacher right here grew up in a broken home. Right? I wasn't the deacon's kid or anything like that. So, you know what? There's a little bit of baggage this guy carries. Um, I mentioned uh, my, my biological father had uh, contacted me and wanted to, invited me down to San Diego to, um, just to meet. And we hadn't seen each other in over 25 years. Sarah, I'm 45 years old, realizing I've got daddy issues. This is weak sauce, man. I'm, I'm 45 years old. I shouldn't have any of these things. And I wasn't consciously nervous. I wasn't afraid of him. And you have to remember, I mean, uh, when, when my, my mother and my biological father divorced, it was, it was very ugly. And it, it was truly, it was truly dramatic. If I, if I explained it to you, you would think, you would say, yeah, that's pretty bad. There was, it, it was ugly. And so there's just some ugly things. And so now, going down to San Diego on that day, all of a sudden, my heart's beating. So I'm telling my wife, like, what is going I'm not afraid of this guy. I, you know, I'm not afraid. Um, I do, of course, I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, my heart's beating. It's weird. It's a weird thought to come face to face with my biological. And it ended up being the, the visit was fine. But here's one of the big things. So, so we're driving down San Diego. And if you go down, you can picture you're in the south uh, south end of Orange County. I, I think it's San Clemente, where the five. It looks like you're going to drive right into the Pacific Ocean, right? Right there in San Clemente, and then it veers left very quickly, and then it goes south, runs parallel to the ocean, just past San Clemente. You're just a couple hundred yards, if that from the Pacific Ocean right there. And now for me, what I've had, um, what, I, what I struggle with, I, I still struggle being at, at beaches. If, it's, if there's a flat, white, sandy beach with nothing breaking, no pier, no rocks, nothing breaking it up, it's, it's too similar to where the tragic event happened for me, and I'll still get a physical response. My, my heart will be, I'll get nauseated. And I wasn't thinking, I didn't realize that was gonna happen. So we made this turn, all to blue. I'm, my heart's already racing a little bit, um, thinking about, um, you know, not even thinking about it, just, it's just happening. And then also, it was just kind of a perfect storm. All of a sudden, we're right there by the ocean. And usually, there's some things at the end, I'm going to just tell you some of the things I do to battle some of the physical anxiety that I have. But I'm driving. I can't close my eyes. I can't lay down, right? Um, and all of a sudden, everything just welled up. It was a perfect storm. 
my heart starts beating. I, I wasn't worried about anybody drowning. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't thinking about it. But all of a sudden, there was just something about it. Remember, your brain, what happens is your brain um, considers events that happen, sounds or what have you, and says, well, we don't want to do that again. And so we're going to get into fight or flight mode, whether it be a, a movement or, a, or an explosion or what have you. Or for me, it's the ocean. Sometimes ambulance, uh, ambulance sirens still can get me, get me riled up a little bit, right? And just, just events that remind the brains, like, oh, we don't want to go there again. Fight or flight, and all of a sudden, boom, it welled up. And I could feel, I could feel the blood rush everywhere, and, and, and then the nausea come in. And, and so that's what I'm talking about, what an anxiety physical response means. Well, I say it's not necessarily a conscious thing. So, I mean, that's really important to note because if we're going to help people or support people or be a friend to them, it's not always appropriate to say, you just need to trust God. No, 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 no. There's no trust issue in those moments for me. There's no trust issue. There was no trusting God moment for that, for that Marine who hit the ground. There's just, there's some issue there that he still needs to work with or maybe he's still living in in, in the past and get him into today and get me focused on today and, and get out of the past somehow. You can continue to pray for me. I'm still working. I promise I'm still working on it. But there's some things I do have to be, be, be careful with, all right? So that's what anxiety is. So go to, well, Job chapter 12. We're, we're going to run out of time here. So I want you to consider this. Job chapter 12 says this. He says, but ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. So we just already, we saw Jesus saying that, right? Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. And the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. And so, so the Bible is all, all over the Bible. It's, we, we see this, uh, this theme of observing nature and learning things by watching nature and seeing things happen. There's also, we, we could go to the ant, thou sluggard, right? I mean, so we consider the ants and they, they lay up things for harvest for the future. So, you know, it's okay. Get ready for retirement if you can. You know, be smart with some investment. That's okay, all right? That doesn't mean you're, you're being anxious over tomorrow. You're just being prudent. It's all right. And so here's some principles of just learning from nature and science and things like that. And so for us to consider, hey, this is what's going on in the brain. This is what's happening physically because we are flesh, soul, and spirit. And a lot of that inter interconnected and they affect each other. They affect each other. And so, of course, we, we need to take care of some things physically that's going to help us spiritually as well. And anxiety is, can be, a lot of times is actual physical issue, all right? It's an actual phys physical issue. So we talked about the, the, the physiology of anxiety. But, so I want to bring it back to talking about worry, all right? So worry is something that we all consider. So battling worry, Isaiah 26, verse 23, you probably know this verse. The Bible says there, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Wouldn't we all like that? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Hold on, let's stop there. So, so peace in our life is not the absence of trouble because that's just not reality, right? We can have seasons where like, wow, Right? You, you may be walking a season right now, it's like, everything's good. I'm making good money, I've got stuff in the bank, things going to church, my, my kids, there are no detentions in the last you know, few, uh, you know, few months. It's, it's been great, man. You're just, you're just living the life right now. But a lot of times those really peaceful moments get you and like, okay, what is up? So you know, something, something's coming because we know that's not reality, the absence of trouble. Peace is the ability to trust God in those times of trouble, right? That's what peace is. So here's it. That will keep them in perfect peace. Here's the thing. There's two ingredients to this. Whose mind is stayed on thee. All right. So if you are a worrier, you battle with worry, 
And I'm not as much as I used to be, praise God, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Um, that will keep in a perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. All right, so they'll consider what you're feeding your mind. All right? If you're a worrier, you probably shouldn't watch the news. Right? No, 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 really. I'm, I'm not saying this for everybody. All right? I watch the news. I just, I don't know why sometimes because I, I get mad and, and I want to argue with the people on the screen. And I remember, man, I'm being really weird right now because I'm, I'm yelling at this person, Chris Cuomo. And, uh, you know, and I just, I, you know, you know what I'm saying. And, and so there's a frustration. But it especially, here's what we battle with. If you are someone who's a worrier, you have to be especially careful what you feed your mind. All right? And so whose mind is stayed on thee. These, a lot of today's news is going to get your mind wrapped up in tomorrow. Right? Because you don't know what the next edict is, right? You don't know if you're wearing your mask or you know, whatever this or who's going to get sick or who you've been around or what have you. Those different things, right? Not the healthiest thing, right? Because he trusteth in thee. Right, so here's the thing. We tell people, you just need to trust God. What is that? How do I trust God, right? So let me just give you just a couple things. And if we have a little bit of issue of trusting the Lord, all right, let's just be, let's acknowledge it and let's work on it. So we work on it. And here's something you could hopefully help pass on to someone else. Rather than just telling somebody who's really battling some anxiety or depression, and you tell somebody, like, you just need to trust God. And in those deep, deep, dark moments in your life, you're wondering, what does that mean? I do. I do trust God. I just, what does that mean? And so here's, here's, a, here's just a couple things. Let's give me the next slide there. So Philippians 4, 6. Consider this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Right, here's a couple couple really important things. All right, so here's one way to be careful for nothing. In everything by prayer, one thing. So do you pray? Yes. Hold on a second. In everything by prayer, do you commit every single decision to prayer? And, and, and it may sound, you may feel silly in life, some things that are really minor things or, or seems like a slam dunk, right? And you just don't even think about it. But hold on a second. I, I'm talking about especially if you struggle with trusting God. Here's how you, you, uh, you work on that. Here's how we improve our trust of God. In everything by prayer, right? Prayer and supplication. Here's the interesting thing. So two different words there. Prayer is just the general act of prayer, talking to God, right? Supplication is actually asking for something. So do you understand? Asking stuff of God is part of prayer. It's commanded here, all right? Now, it shouldn't be the only thing we do. How healthy of a relationship would you have with your, uh, with your spouse, or your best friend, or what have you, if all you did was come to them and say, Felix, man, can I get 20 bucks? Can you spot me 20 bucks, man? And the next, the next week, say, hey, hey, Felix, can, man, can, I, can, you, can you hook me up with some tortillas? You know, or just whatever. You know, and everything I, I came to Felix about was just asking him for something. Wouldn't be the healthiest relationship. Now, he's a good day. He's going he's gonna to spot me 20 bucks, right? He's going to ask me for it next week, right? But, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, you know, try his best to help me. But it wouldn't be the healthiest relationship if all... I brought to it was what I asked of him, right? And so let's be careful not to be that way with God, right? So we pray right. So adore him, honor him, praise him, bless him. But yes, supplication, asking things of him is part of prayer with thanksgiving. So that should be part of our prayer life. How thankful is, are our prayers? Do we get right to the supplication part? God, I need this. God, I want this. No, God. Hey, thankfulness. And this really goes on with, with how to build, how to become somebody who trusts God, is being thankful. Um, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So the next verse I want you to consider. 
is Psalm 77.10. All right. And he said, this, so this is Asab who struggles with depression. All right. And we, we talked about this in my uh, uh, mental health uh, Sunday. Um, we looked at Asab's depression. He's a music guy. We don't know what happened, but something happened. He said, in the day of my trouble. So he had some type of traumatic event that triggered some depression. And then we see how it affected him. In verse number 10, so he talks about, here's one of the things in his arsenal as he battles depression. He says, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Interesting statement. He says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Now, most everybody is, is, is right-handed. Do we have any lefties here? Lefties. Of course, Johnny's a lefty. All right, so, so that's it. So, um, so for the most of us, all right, we are right-handed. That's where we have our control, right? We were talking football. I love football, all right? So I'm, you know, I'm past my prime, but if I get out there, I can still throw a football. I still have pretty good, pretty good form, right, Joe? Is that okay? Why does it look like uh, your guy, Darnold, um, whatever. So, all right, so I have, I have pretty good form from there, right? But, so this right hand is where I have the, have the control, all right? Point, all right? But if I try to throw with my left hand, then all of a sudden I throw like a girl, right? I, just, I don't have the control with my left hand, right? It's the right hand that I have the control with. So this is what it's talking about. What is it? I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm going to think about those years that I knew God was in control. Now, here's the thing. We know God is always in control. There, there's, there's never an emergency in God's heart, right? But there are times we perceive things are out of control. But there are times that we knew, okay, yeah, God did this. God did that. It's amazing. And so those are the things in these you know, if we have trouble with worry and trusting God, is to regularly rehearse those times where God is in control. I used to be more of a worrier. What happened is God grew me. He told you when I, I uh, when I resigned from my, my ministry, ministry position, 22 years, full time, uh, full time ministry. I didn't have a plan. Um, all I have is I have a bachelor's in theology, and I have a master's in theology, but not real lucrative. Right? I'm not going to be able to, th to walk into uh, any you know, business or, or wherever and just throw out my master's of theology and get a job, right? And, and of course, especially in those, those, those first couple months, here's the thing, I, I want to be clear, my, my church was so loving to me and so understanding. Uh, I resigned and, and the pastor knew what I had been struggling with and so they paid me for some time after that for a good long time and then gave me a severance pack just, just to help get me through. But I knew that that would run out and that was Lord, how am I going to pay the bills? I don't have any other kind of life training. All I know, Lord, is how to serve you, preach and sing and serve in the church. That's all I know, God. But I, bro I can't do that. I'm broken. I thought. I thought I'm, I'm broken. Um, and then God started to provide. And all of a sudden, as people started to hear about it, the pastors would say, hey, Jay, what's going on? So I, I, and I explained it to them. I said, hey, so and I want to help you get back on track. Like, why don't you come preach? Now, so bad. I thought, who'd want this kind of priest? The guy who quit, right? And so I preached in this church, and then I preached in this church, and I was singing in that church, and God just started to provide. And so I saw in that, in particular, these last couple years before we started the climb, um, God just provide. And then so God grew my faith in that, where I had no idea. I had no exit plan. I had no exit strategy. I was just done. And God provided. And so here's one thing that I look back at those times where I'm tempted to worry Jay, look at 2018. God did it. God did it. And so there was a time where I was really struggling with anxiety that every single day I would write down different seasons or different moments that 
you know, God just did it. There's no explanation. God took care of it. God was in control. And I did that daily to remind myself to try to build up this trust of God and to battle the worry in my heart. Do I have another? What was that next slide here? All right, so learning how to trust God. So first of all, of course, meditate on godly things, all right, whose mind is stayed on thee. You might want to stop watching the news, all right? I'm talking to if you have trouble with worry, you should probably stop watching the news, all right? Um, pray right. We saw that. Thanksgiving. Yes, supplication. Pray in everything, all right? Do, do it right. And then rehearse the goodness of God, all right? I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. This is what Asaph said. He did say, I'll remember that time where God was, you know, the years. He's putting it, he's purposely making it really big and almost exact, not exaggerated, but just say, there was, there's been so many times in my life, I've had my share of hard times, but I've had so much more good in my life and just rehearse those things. And it might be like me, if you're a worrier, every single day, every single night, you'll just write down three or four or five things. It's the same thing. Every single night, it might take you a couple weeks. It might take you many, many months. Every single time you rehearse those things, this is a good reason to go back to the past. All right? It's a good reason to go back to the past. To not anguish over regret, but to remember, wow, God, I see your right hand there. All right? And so let's talk, we'll finish up talking about battling anxiety. Battling anxiety. So first of all, prevention is better than intervention. All right? So worry can turn into anxiety. All right? The thoughts can turn into this physical thing to where um, you, you go seek a medical professional and, and you, you'll get that diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder where these worry things just cause you know, this physical response. So sometimes it is. The conscious mind can lead to these issues in here with the, with the racing heart and high blood pressure and nausea, all those things. It can happen. So we want to take care of the worry thing before it turns into this. But sometimes it's not that. Right? Mark chapter 9, I want you to consider this. Right. In Mark chapter 9, there's this amazing story of this man whose son is uh, possessed of a demon, and this demon would make this boy fall into the fire and then fall into the water. Right? So he brings this boy to Jesus Christ and begs Jesus Christ to heal him. Verse number 23, Jesus said, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. We know that, right? Hey, you've got to believe, and it can happen, right? Verse number 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Well, why is he crying? Because he knows the truth deep within. Help thou my unbelief. So it's almost like he caught himself in a lie, isn't it? Because he wants, he, he needs his boy to get healed. And Jesus says, if you believe, I'll heal him, right? He says, yeah, Lord, I believe. But, oh, I'm talking to Jesus. He knows anyway. I might as well come clean. Help thou my unbelief. He's saying, Lord, yeah, I do believe, but I have a whole bunch of unbelief. So you know what happens? Jesus Christ condemns him. Jesus crushes him. Jesus tears him up. No. Jesus heals his son in spite of all the unbelief of the father. Why? Because Jesus is bigger than our unbelief. He's bigger than our unbelief. Now, here's what we do. We have a friend that's struggling with anxiety. He says, you repent of your sin of unbelief. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. We, get, we need to get to know Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ did not condemn this man for his unbelief, we need to stop doing it. Why? Because Jesus Christ says, hey, he is so much bigger than our unbelief. Jesus Christ says that all he needs from us, what kind of faith? Little tiny grain of a mustard seed. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. But we see we forget that. 
And so we end up condemning ourselves when Jesus Christ would not condemn us. Have to remember, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Thank God. To them who walk in Christ Jesus. So yes, walk in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. So if Jesus Christ isn't going to condemn you, you shouldn't condemn you for your unbelief. And just if you look deep down inside, even when, when, the, when the bills are piling up, you probably have a little, little bit of faith there. whole bunch of unbelief. Stop condemning yourself for that unbelief. Remember this story. And go ahead and cry out to Jesus. You see it there. What does the man do? He asks Jesus for help. You have trouble with anxiety, having some anxiety, having some worry. Uh, Lord, I believe. Help. Ask Jesus for help. Right? Go and acknowledge. He knows me. Help thou mine unbelief. But don't make things worse by condemning yourself for something that Jesus Christ actually is not condemning you for. That's one of the biggest challenges when, when people reach out to us for help. And, and there's a number of folks that we're, we're so privileged to, um, to, to, be, to help guide them through these things. And, and one of the biggest challenges is to change the way of thinking. And that people are so hard to say, I'm such a loser. I just I wish I could trust God. I, can't, I just have no faith. Wait, wait, you have no faith? Well, no, I know. I have faith. Well, have a, hold on a second. So is it, would you say 25% to 75%, 10% to 90%? So even if, if, even if they, I negotiate someone down to saying they have 5% faith and 95% faith, that's enough. That's more than enough. Now, I can't tell you for sure what a grain of faith a mustard seed, but I'm guessing it's probably like the mortality rate of COVID, you know, point something percent, right? That's my one little political rant there. All right? Something really, really minuscule, right? And so if you're having an issue, if you're having an issue, friends on Facebook, wherever you're watching, come on, you've got that, right? You've got that. Stop condemning this. Jesus isn't doing it, all right? Jesus is bigger than the unbelief. He's bigger than the unbelief. So resist undue self-condemnation. Look at verse number, uh, next verse there. Joe, can you give me that? What do we have? Psalm 7710. Okay, we just uh, looked at this. So, and I said, this is my infirmity. All right, so here's the thing. Asaph, he, he recognized that he had an issue, all right? This is my infirmity. It's an interesting word. You look that up in the Hebrew, it literally means illness. Hmm, interesting. So in Psalm 77, Asaph is talking about his depression, and he says, this is my infirmity. You have to remember, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God chose these words, and he happened to choose a word that means an illness. So this is, man, I've got a serious issue here. This is my infirmity. And so recognize and acknowledge it. So I just have to acknowledge, you know what? I still have an anxiety issue. You're a preacher, Brother Jay? Yes, I'm a preacher, and I have an anxiety issue. Would you pray for me? Wouldn't it be a blessing if it would just be as natural for people to say, and I know a lot of you, you probably know about my back, back trouble. I've had three back surgeries. If I ask you to pray for my back, no big, nobody cares about that. If I ask you to pray for my anxiety issues, some people are like, hmm. You have an anxiety issue? Should you, be, should you be preaching? This is my infirmity. This is my infirmity. And it gets even more powerful than this. Would you look at the uh, next verse there, Joe? I need to rush. Sorry, I'm going I'm I'm to get done here. All right. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul had this thing that, that ailed him. Now, there's three theories. Give me that next uh, um, slide there of what this thorn was. We don't know exactly what it was. A lot of people think it was some type of physical ailment. Um, historians say that Paul had some type of eye issue, right? We don't know that for sure, but that's, I think that could be a good, this is thorn in the flesh. 
It could be, so another theory is there's some type of antagonistic person, right? This thorn in the flesh, somebody that would go after him and attack him or what have you. Or it could be some type of mental or emotional issue. Now think about it, though. Think about it. He does say this in verse number 7. He says, the messenger of Satan. He says, the thorn of the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Huh. So this thorn in this flesh comes in the, in the form of a message. Hmm. Could that be some type of mental, emotional, spiritual anguish that's ailing him? the messenger of Satan to buffet me. You know, I think that's possible. I think it's very, very possible. Now go ahead and skip back to those verses there, Joe. Um, and this, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He asked the Lord just three times. Could you imagine? I'm, I'm still asking the Lord to, to completely heal me of all the anxiety, all of it. Right? But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. He just asked the Lord three times. Verse number nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Wow. So, so here's the thing. What he understands from God, he, even though he asked God, please take away this thorn, whatever you believe it to be, all right? I believe that the thorn was actually some type of messenger from Satan, something that discouraged him or, or just caused something, um, some trouble inside. I'm going to show you another passage that I think proves that, all right? God says, my grace is sufficient. So all I need is God. All right, so we go back with that thought. And see, we, we take that principle to extremes that aren't helpful to people. And so people come to us for help who are struggling with depression or anxiety, and say, God's grace is sufficient for thee. Well, what does that mean? But you just need to give it to God. How do I do that? Oh, please help me. Honestly, they, they think, I know it sounds terrible, but the stuff that I told people myself, you have to give it to God, brother. God's grace is sufficient. Well, what does that mean on a practical level? Remember, hey, we, we looked at our opening text. God's provision is designed with personal responsibility at its core. So when we say God's grace is sufficient, it doesn't mean we just sit there and do nothing. We trust God. We ask God for help. We ask God for healing. But there's some things that we must do. Yes, God's, God's going to provide. God's going to heal. But remember, I have some responsibility in this. I, I better walk with him vibrantly. I, I, I should be faithful to church. And there's some other things. That, that, that's just the the bottom line, simple stuff, but depending on how deep-seated these issues are, there might be some other things that you have to do to battle worry, to battle anxiety. We talked about some of those things. Would you give me this, uh, the next? Oh, no, no, sorry. So, um, yeah, looking for some, uh, the nine, let's see you on there. My grace sufficient for thee, for my strength is me perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Did you catch it there? My infirmity. Asaph said, uh, he's, he's struggling with depression. This is my infirmity. Let's go ahead and say it. All right, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. So there's a power into acknowledging, yes, this is my infirmity. This is my illness. This is my, my weakness. This is my issue. Why? Because when I am weak, then he is strong. But not just that. Look at what it actually says in this verse. The last statement there says, for when I am weak, then am I I. Then am I strong. See, we're not comfortable quoting that part. We like to quote, for his strength is made perfect in weakness. Verse 10 says, when I'm weak, then am I strong. I'm strong. Through his strength, I'm strong. When I'm weak, I'm strong because I have this infirmity. Acknowledge and embrace the infirmity that you have. Last passage, and then we give you some final thoughts. 
2 Corinthians 11, 28 says this. Beside those things that are, here's Paul again. Beside those things that are without, that cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So Paul's saying, you know, they've got a whole bunch of stuff that, that he's been through. Paul, if you study his life, he's gone through a whole lot of tra trauma, a lot of traumatic events. He was stoned, he was shipwrecked, lots of stuff. Assassinations, lots of crazy things. He's had some trauma in his life. Now he's saying, you know, I've got the care of all the churches. Verse 29, who's weak? And I am not weak. Who's offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. So he said, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the outside that bothers me, but in here, there's a whole bunch of care of the churches. You know what? That's a word that could be studied out and honestly be related to what we talk about as far as anxiety. Some type of thorn in Paul's flesh that he was battling in infirmity. Infirmity. All right, so that, that next slide there, um, Joe. So battling anxiety. So first of all, so we've looked at resist undue self-condemnation. All right, resist. Un if Jesus Christ is not condemning you, and the only way you could know that is to get to know Jesus. And the only way you get to know Jesus is by walking with him daily and being faithful to church, paying attention to the church, taking all those things. That's our responsibility. Remember, personal responsibility. Get to know Jesus, so get to know what actually does make him mad, right? Let's work on that, but also get to know some of the things that we're condemning ourselves for and other people that Jesus Christ is not condemning, all right? So don't make things worse, all right? Don't make things worse on yourself. Resist a new condemnation. Ask Jesus for help. We saw that. Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Acknowledge and embrace, all right? This is my infirmity. I'll say it. This is my infirmity. When I am weak, then am I strong, all right? And then we stay in the moment. All right. So stay in today. So the thing, here's the, the big thing. How we bad, and this is where we're going to finish, Joe. Um, stay in today. There's stuff tomorrow. We've got to stop. How we battle um, our worries and anxieties of tomorrow is to take care of what we can today. So you go to your job and you be the very best worker there that anybody's ever seen because you are a child of God and you should be, right? Get out of the past, stay in today, and hey, even if you're quarantined and whatever, you're on lockdown, whatever, you have to be home, then don't just spend all your days binge-watching all your favorite shows, right? I'm not, I'm not saying don't enjoy some stuff, right? But there's some stuff you can take care of at home, take care of the dishes, do some dusting, vacuum something, do something in the yard. There's some stuff that we can take care of today, today. Now, understand, there's only so many times you can sweep the floor. I get it. After a while, we're going to run out of stuff that your responsibilities. And then so you just do some things for enjoyment today. It's okay to have hobbies. It's okay to have vacation and stay, you know, those are really important time. Those are, those are ways we, we let our brains relax, right? And today, here's some things that we could do in today, all right? Stay in the moment. All right, let's have a word of prayer.